my goodness. Can you believe that it is already April? It seems like it was just January 1st. I just want to say thank you for such an enthusiastic welcome for my Patreon and a wonderful first month. Oh my gosh, there's 85 of you in there. And we had such a great time on our live call. You totally embraced the prompt. There's been four podcast episodes dropped early and I just want to say thanks. And if you'd like more information on what that Patreon is, you can go to patreon.com backslash in the windowsill. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash in the windowsill, or just check the link in my Instagram bio. No matter what though, I love the feedback I've been getting from you guys lately. There's so much goodness in these podcasts and you have been responding and telling me that it's helped you a ton. So thanks for being here. Here's another great episode for you and please continue the feedback and the reviews. I'm doing this for you. Cheers. Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, and how to get your work noticed and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you as well as a few of my own and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee, maybe your paint water, a glass of wine, and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Welcome back to Windowsill Chats. I am so glad you're here to hang out with me today. I have a really great conversation with a friend of mine. Aaron and I met in a mastermind group at the beginning of COVID, and and Aaron just brings so much passion to what she does. She's absolutely 100% a creative, but she's a businesswoman too. Aaron's a RISD trained, and RISD is Rhode Island School of Design, so art school trained graphic designer who went to work at a branding firm in New York City and discovered she had a knack and passion for the business side of the creative industry, and she completely embraces it every day. Since then, she specialized in business operations and client experience, meaning things like how to retain a client and just all the operational things about it, helping to grow and run successful agencies. She served in director level positions and chief operating level positions in branding and marketing agencies in New York City and Philadelphia. So big league. And today she's a partner at Clearbridge Branding Agency, which is an award-winning branding agency with several locations. Through her company, Erin Cantwell Co. and her volunteer work, Erin continues to work with designers, makers, and other creative entrepreneurs as a business coach, helping them to start and scale successful and profitable businesses while doing the work they love. And I'll tell you what, she has helped me. She has helped other people I know. She just really thinks through all the levels of it. And it's really cool because we have quite a lengthy conversation about a lot of business things and creative things and creative block and how to learn and what does business really mean and should you have one or should you not? This is really a rich conversation. 
In January, right now, Erin will begin teaching at RISD in their continuing education department. She has developed and will be teaching the very first business course offered through the RISD Alumni Labs. It's called Establishing a Business Plan for Your Creative Business. And in March, she'll begin teaching the second course she developed for them, which is how to stand out in a crowded market using market research to build and market your business. And I tell you this because think about it. This is a woman-run idea. It's never been done at this art school before. And it came from something that she did about building your creative business on a strong foundation. And she taught everything you needed to know and consider about that. So as you can imagine, there's a lot in this conversation. She is a co-founder and now co-chairs the RISD Women in Business Alumni Group with a mission to connect alumni with one another and with the resources they need to advance their creative business ideas. And that is what Erin is dishing up for you today. So I have talked long enough. Here is Erin Cantwell. Erin, I am so glad you're here with me today. Thank you. Hi, Varga. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This, you know, this is long overdue, honestly. Erin and I have known each other for a while and we were DMing over the holidays and she dropped some things that she's doing. I was like, what? We need to chat and, and record it. I know. It's been a minute. I'm so glad to catch up with you here. Me too. Me too. And I think other people might be interested as well. So, I, w- I always love to know um, a little bit about your creative path, any kind of childhood creative passions, and how you ended up on that road. Yeah, I knew really early on that I needed to have a creative life, I guess you could say. I was the kid that spent every spare moment in the art room or the art corner or whatever it was that we had in school. Um And so, you know, very, very early on when we started to think about colleges and all of that kind of stuff, like it was clear to me I needed to go to art school, which was really an interesting thing because I don't come from like my, I don't come from a family that had, you know, that, that did the creative art school sort of thing, but they were always very supportive. Um, I mean, they had me in art classes from a very young age as much as they possibly could. I spent all that time. Um, so yeah, so as soon as I kind of started thinking about like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I, for the longest time, my, my response was, I want to be a commercial artist. Wow. But it wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't understand the term right. commercial. I was going to say, do was you was know really what that actually, meant? No, I didn't. I heard it. Somebody said it to me one time and I like latched onto it. And in my head, it was probably more like what a graphic designer is. Yeah. Um, because I was like, oh, it's like, you know, commercials is what I was thinking, not oh. like commercial artists. <laughs> so for years as a kid, I'd be like, I want to be a commercial artist. And um, double meaning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was, it was, you know, that's really the path that I followed. I, I spent, I am not exaggerating when I said like three class periods in a row in the art room, taking photography and AP art and everything I could in high school. And, um, you know, very early on decided that I wanted to go, I ended up going to Rhode Island School of Design. Um, I did actually end up getting a degree in graphic design, which is what I thought commercial art was. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it was for me, it was always very clear. You know, there was like a couple minutes where, you know, we talked about you know, what's the more logical career path to take? And is it a good idea to go down the art path? And, you know, um, I think think the things that a lot of us that do follow a creative career kind of experience, but um, yeah, from then on, I I never looked back. I landed in New York at a design firm right out of college um, as a graphic designer. And 
um, what an amazing place to be, what an amazing yes. creative community, what the pace, you know, in your 20s. It was fantastic. I loved it. Um, and that's where actually I kind of even grew further and really yeah. what I focus on now really is actually the business side of the creative world. Um, and I learned that hands-on there. And I, I kind of found that like I naturally really love the bridge between the creative side of things and the business side of things. And that's the way my brain works. It's just, I think so why nice. the design field, like the design field is a lot of creative problem solving. And I think that's really what attracted me to it. And yeah, so that's in a nutshell, kind of how I, how I came up through, through, through the creative It's world, a good I nutshell. Um, what do you think were some of the skills or tasks at that, um, at the, at your new, first job out of school in New York that opened you up to kind of the business side that made you like it or be yeah, interested it in was, it? So it was a small boutique graphic design firm that I worked at, um, that I landed in right away. And it was one of those where we wore, everybody kind of wore all the hats. Like if there was something that we didn't know how to do, or there wasn't somebody to cover it, it wasn't a super corporate stay in your lane kind of environment. It was a very entrepreneurial, mm. um, let's figure it out. Let's be problem solvers. A can do sort of like attitude of culture of the whole office. And so I came in as like employee number five mm. and we grew from there um, over the next few years, but it really kind of gave me a big opportunity and exposure to mm -hmm. all of the different things. Um, you know, I came in as a graphic designer. I was more in trained and interested in like the print and media and branding, like logo sort of world. Um, colors, I love colors. And I just wanted to play with colors all day, but I got thrown into like, let's figure out how to produce this product for one of our clients. Let's figure out how to do a website. Let's figure out how to do a web app and all of these things. And then at the core of it all though, was to figure out how that helped solve the business problems of our clients. Cause at the end of the day, they were hiring us for their business. And so I really, I really got into that strategy thinking and understanding more about how business worked and, yeah. and how the role we played as creatives. And I have to say, one of the things that I, I, one of my favorite things as a creative is realizing how much other creatives really have just different viewpoints. Like we approach problems differently. We think mm -hmm. about things differently. We have different perspectives than maybe somebody who comes up through a more traditional role or an MBA or just, you know, somebody who isn't as creative and doesn't spend as much time flexing those creative muscles. And I think there's a big opportunity um, that I saw there in the business world to to think about business problems as design problems or creative mm. problems and mm -hmm. and approach them differently. And so that was really like where I found my footing and where I found like, I love this and I can really take this and run. So that's so I had a lot of a lot of time kind of digging in and developing that way. And that's I think that would probably whole, be the biggest thing. That's so cool. That's really the whole nut of it, right? Because we're kind of societally trained to think, well, you could have a business degree or you could have a marketing degree or you could maybe do something creative. And really, it's there's a lot of creativity in running a, your business successfully, a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I also think the best entrepreneurs are visionaries that can ideate and can really like open their minds and dream. And there takes a like that takes a lot of creativity. Um, you have to be able to look at things from different viewpoints and and evaluate kind of like what is the opportunity here or what is this goal or what is this thing that doesn't even exist that I want to dream right. up and make happen. Right. Um, so I mean I I think 
I personally think of creatives as natural entrepreneurs. Like I, I mm. think that we are. I think we are done a big disservice though because of the societal expectations and we're not given a lot of the tools that maybe some of the more traditional, if you go some of the traditional routes you get. Um, it's one of the things that, oh, I could go on about it for days and days <laughs> because I just, I honestly think it's such a disservice to us as creatives that so many of us even end up with essentially accidental businesses, right? Like, yeah. so again, I come yeah. from the design world, but I think you see it all the time for painters or makers or whatever. Like you're doing this thing, you have this talent, you have the skill, you bring joy into the world with your with whatever you're creating. And somebody sees it and they say, hey, I want that or my uncle needs right. that or can I buy that for my mom? And you start building a business without ever right. intending to build a business. And then you end up with this accidental business. And half the time, that's where we start to get into trouble because no one says, hey, hold on, pause. You're running a business. Let's figure this out. Let's build a strong foundation. Let's make sure that you figure out simple things like, but really important things like cash flow and, you know, make sure you're actually making money at this and that it's sustainable and you're going to be able to do it without burning out and without, you know, that creative light going out. Like that to me, Ugh. society does us such a disservice. And that's like, to me, that's where as natural entrepreneurs, I just would love to see creatives get more support in that way. Oh my gosh. My head was just like, I got, you know, goosebumps when you said that, because I'm sure when you said, because we create something and then somebody wants it and what do you do with it? And I'm sure people were like, what? That's me. And then, uh -huh. and then the details come in and then yeah. we don't know how to even down to little things like how do my taxes change or whatever it might be how do i order the right price box there's so many different things but yeah. but then we don't necessarily know where to go to get those answers from somebody that speaks our language our creative language and that's what i love about mm -hmm. you kind of forging this path for yourself and then being noticed for it, which we'll talk more about and turning around and saying, Hey, I think I want to help my fellow creatives with this, which, I mean, you're so passionate about it. It just comes through loud and clear in the best yeah. way. I mean, at the end of the day, creatives have my heart, like through and through I'm a creative. I've spent my life in the creative world. And like, I do, I do a lot more business things. Now I do ops side of things. I do strategy side of things, but at the end of the day, even that I'm taking a creative approach and I'm using design thinking and problem solving, sure. you know, to kind of get through it. But I think like creatives truly, I think, I just don't, I think I having been through art school, which I loved and I would never trade for the world. I just don't think that we're necessarily given the same thought or resources historically, right. um, you know, in ways that would serve us. And I do think, you know, again, as creatives, we think differently, we, we speak differently, we structure things differently we end up with these accidental businesses and, you know, that's, that's kind of the gap that I have found. I found myself sort of naturally trying to fill because I just wanted to see, I would see people with these amazing products or artwork or services, whatever it would be. And I was like, we need to get these out there more. And they're yeah. like, but I, I, you know, it doesn't make me any money. I can't, I gotta, I have my nine to five. I have this, I have that. I have the other thing. And I'm like, well, we can figure that out. Let's figure it out. If it's something yeah. you want to do, Right. There's, a, there's a way to do it. You just need access. So let's there, go. And it's that's true. Because I think sometimes it takes bravery, but sometimes it takes knowing who to ask because we don't mm. always know what that is. What What would you say is critically necessary or at least very important when it comes to building a sustainable creative business? It's a big question. 
It is a big question. It's one I have to, I dive into quite a bit because I, it, I think it, at the end of the day, there are two things that I say to basically everybody I end up talking to in the entrepreneurial creative space is number one, you have to treat your business like a real business hmm. because so often it happens by accident. There's very few of us that sit down. It happens, don't get me wrong, but there are very few people that sit down and just create a business plan right from the start and like mm -hmm. go off and try and implement this business plan, right? Like I said, a lot of times we are sort of accidental business owners or we are freelancers or we are makers or we're not people that necessarily identify as entrepreneurs right away. Like I didn't call myself an entrepreneur for years and years, mm. but I was making money doing, you know, doing design and doing all of this different, these different things. So I think number one, realizing and acknowledging that you have a business here and treating it like a real business sooner <laughs> rather than later will make it sustainable because the biggest problem you're going to have otherwise is that you, you treat it as individual projects. You don't see it as a whole. And when you start to do that, that really the second thing comes into play, which to me is is really your capacity, understanding your capacity and what you can take on at any given time um, and how to kind of properly think about that also from a, a, a financial standpoint, mm -hmm. um, really understanding like, okay, if, if at the end of the day for my business to work, I need to make X amount of money. Um, if I want to leave my nine to five and do this full time, or even if I want this as a side gig, so it's not just a hobby, understanding what that needs to be and how you can reach those goals in a sustainable way, I think is really important because I do think there's like a tipping point for creatives when your passion becomes your job or when you're, when the skill and talent, this thing you love doing suddenly becomes monetized. It's a tricky, like it's a tricky thing to kind of balance. And, and some people, you know, I've seen it put out that flame of creativity too many times because yeah, people yeah. burn out on it. So I think really like treating it as a real business, number one, and then number two, actually stepping back and making sure that it kind of adds up that you're able to actually do the work you want to in a way you want to and make the money to make it sustainable for right. you to continue to do it and show up in the world. I think those are the two big things. I agree. And I, and I think too, like you said, all of a sudden, well, not, well, sometimes all of a sudden it's a thing, right? It's a business and we end up spending more time on that business sometimes than we do on our creative part. So I would add to that adding in the time or, or, or planning as a business person, your time so that you have that time to recharge time to be creative time, because your business won't succeed if you don't have that as well. You know? Yeah, I completely agree. I always, I, I always kind of talk about the different things that go on in a business recurring tasks that need to happen as rhythms in your business. I think it's a really nice, I, I like to use mm. it as a nice way to think about it's this recurring thing and it's this pattern and, you know, if they can speed up and they can slow down and they can all fit together to kind of make this beautiful symphony of your business, it's all these recurring tasks. And I always, I always encourage people that one of the most important rhythms as a creative is your creative time, your creative practice mm -hmm. rhythm. Like it's going to be the first thing that a lot of people cut out when things get yeah. busy. But if you cut it out, you aren't going to be filled yeah. up to do the rest of the stuff. You're not going to want to sit there and send your invoices. You're not going to want to solve the problem from production for or shipping for you know your product. You're not going to want to show up for your clients and your service. You need to fill yourself up. And, and I completely agree. I think it's, 
it is it's a tricky thing but it, that creative stuff is always the stuff that gets cut first and it kills me every time I'm like no go take the dance class or the pottery course or you know get out the canvas and let's let's start painting it's well, it's in a way, it's the umbilical cord, right? If you cut that off, there's mm-hmm. no, you, you're just, when you sit down to pay an invoice, you're just like, oh, this, there's no joy here. And when you at least yeah. find time and it, and it's tricky because sometimes I think when we, when we have a business, we were talking about this before we press record, you know, we say yes to the, to the things that come along that sound really interesting. And all of a sudden we're doing all these things and maybe more shows or whatever your angle of business might be, but then where's the time for you? So I think, you know, I know for me, if I, if I have things to do, if I schedule them, it works for me. Like Mm -hmm. it's on there. I, this is what that time is for. So there's all sorts of tricks like that, but. Oh, absolutely. I love a good time block, but I I think also when you get so heads down in the business thing and I see this, I see this as people's businesses really start to take off. And like you said, as you start to say, yes, it's something I've, you know, fallen you know, victim to as well a little bit, but I, from a business point of view too, you can argue it obviously all day from a creative point of view, but from a business point of view too, I will always say like, as a creative in business, you are your business's biggest asset. And Mm. if you're not good, your business isn't good. And if you're not creatively fulfilled, you're not good. So let's take time and make sure you're good because even doing that, you're taking care of your business in that way too. You're taking care of yourself. You're taking care of your business. You're taking care of your creativity, your health, your well-being, all of that. So it's, it is absolutely, I fully encourage everyone to to block the time regularly and treat it as a rhythm, treat it as a recurring thing that you, that you pour into on a regular basis. Such a good point. And to that note, like, I want to talk for a second about failing fast and failing forward. I think a lot of creatives get stuck in analysis paralysis, if you will. And like, when, especially when a business is happening, can I do this? Mm-hmm. Can I put myself out there in this way? What do you think is something someone could do to take a step towards that goal of having a business that works or or just getting out of their head about it? Let's start there. Yeah, uh, I think that exactly what you said, the failing fast, failing forward is something that I always come back to. And what I mean by that is really like just try something like mm. at the end of the day, take the first few steps when you sit there and you're like, okay, here are all the options. What's the best step you can take and try it. And if it fails, that's okay. I think we need to redefine failure. And I think actually as creatives, a lot of time we're pretty good at that. I mean, I know I sat through a number of critiques in art school and I think I have a pretty thick skin from it, but at the, I think failure is very subjective. I think as long as you're learning, you can kind of reframe. It's not failure. It's not failure unless you're right. quitting. Right. Right. And so failing fast, failing forward is really about like, don't be afraid to make the mistake. Don't be afraid to go ahead and just try um, and take your best guess. All you can do is the best you can right now with the information you have. There's very few things that we can't revisit, redo, rework. And so, you know, taking that leap of faith or taking those first couple steps, that messy action that it's not going to be perfect, but we're going to try something and then we're going to learn from it and we're going to try again. And from there, you'll be amazed at how much you can build and how quickly you can get momentum. 
Because really the worst thing you can do is just stay stuck in your head. The more you can be out there and be making, just, just making movements. Again, it's like, I always picture that for that blank canvas or that blank in me, for me, it's always the blank sketchbook. Like every time I get a new sketchbook, I am like intimidated because it's so pristine and I need to just go in (laughs) and make a mess on that first page. And then from there, I'm good. Like I can dive in and it's not as precious, but I think when we keep things very precious and require a level of perfection or, you know, things to be 100% complete before we take that first step, that's where we get into trouble. And as somebody who has been a perfectionist her whole life, it's not always easy, but I think, you know, it's a really, the more you can kind of embrace that sort of mindset, the more you'll see that growth and, and you'll, and you'll scale and you'll grow in skill and in business, you know, so much faster. I love that. You know, one of the other things that might be coming to mind for people is niching, you know, people who are involved in different things or like a different things. When and why do you think someone should niche down for a business or a creative business? So I am a big fan of niching from a business strategy point of view, because I think it simplifies. I think Mm. like we talked about just a minute ago, where like there, you can have analysis paralysis, right? I think it gives you a clear path. Um, something to focus on. And I think it it helps bring clarity. It's not always obvious. And I, but I do think it gives a lot. I think it brings clarity when you do it. And again, I always like to say like your niche is not set in stone. You can try something and you can change. But I also think people think very strictly about uh, niching down and there's a lot of buzz on the internet and the, you know, Mm -hmm. business space about niching and, and what it can do for you. And, but I really think of it as figure out what you do want to do, mm-hmm. who you do want to serve, in what way you want to work, mm-hmm. and focus on that and just say no to the other things or at least give the other things a second thought before you do it. I think getting clear on really more what the ideal is will send you, will get you further down the path you want to be and mm-hmm. closer to um, closer to where you want to end up rather than be, than saying yes to everything. I, I mean, I am all for saying yes to the good opportunities that come your way. Trust me. Like I will raise my, I'm always the first to raise my hand and be like, yep, let's do it. But I think, you know, especially when you're starting out, there can be too many distractions. There can be too, you can spread yourself too thin and you can end up in a lot of time kind of spinning your wheels, trying to learn everything from scratch. Instead, if you do niche down and you say, okay, this is who I want to work with, or this is the platform I want to work on, or the medium I want to work in, or here's how I want to show up, and you focus on that, the growth you'll see there will allow you to then broaden and bring in Mm -hmm. other things because you'll have figured out that one piece. I think I, I always encourage like start simple, start with one thing, especially from a business point of view, like one offer, one product figure that out, nail that down, make sure that's sustainable for you. Right. And you can try and other ones. add to it. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, and like the likelihood you're going to get it right the first time is pretty low. If we're being completely honest, it's for all of us. Like, right. And I, there, I saw a quote the other day. It's like, if you, if you're not embarrassed by your first draft, then you started too late. Like <laughs> at the end of the day, like you have to work through it. It's a process. Just like the first sketch you do won't become the master painting. It goes through all of these different things before you do it, you know, from an art point of view. If you, it's the same in the business world. Like you, that that first offer you put out there or that first product you put out there, it's going to develop and you're going to get Hopefully. feedback and you're going to make it better. And yeah, or 
you know what, you know, it doesn't work. And then you scrap it and you try something else. Right. I but think, I think, it, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, so I, but I think when you do too much at once, you're not clear what's working and what's not. And I think that's right. the beauty of sort of like niching is you can hone in and you can really understand why things are working and why they're not. And you can adjust and, and bring them to success faster because you're so tuned in versus so spread thin and not really sure what's contributing to what. Right. And then you have feedback. You you have the gift of feedback. Did this sell or did they like this, this part of my portfolio? One of the things I was thinking about when, when you were saying, when we were talking about niching down is so often I'll see portfolios with, with quite a range of style. And I can tell some things are older and a range of style is great for, for many reasons. But my question to that that owner of the portfolio is, what do you want to be doing? Because if you have things in your portfolio because you think you should show them or things in your shop because you think you should be selling them. Mm-hmm. And then when it's time and somebody asks you for that work and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to draw whatever dinosaurs again. And you're much mm-hmm. rather be doing something mid century modern, then don't put the dinosaurs in your portfolio, like, or don't take that, mm-hmm. take that thing off your Shopify site or whatever it is, because that's niching too, in its own way. And that's being true oh, to your, your creative journey in your heart. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I think as creatives, we're meant to evolve. So things that you might have even liked to do before, if you don't, if you've evolved past that, it's okay to drop that and to move on and to grow from there. Um, but I completely agree, especially from a portfolio or anything you're creating really and putting out into the world, you're going to attract people who like that. You're going mm-hmm. to attract customers who like that. You're going to attract an audience or a, a community who like that. And if it's not something that lights you up, that's probably not who you want to be attracting. So right. put out the work that you love, that you want to be doing and the people that it resonates with are truly your people. Um, And I agree. I think niching really helps with that because it allows you again to kind of eliminate the people that, or the opportunities that maybe don't fill you up in a really positive, good way that are things you could do. Cause I, I, I truly, it's an old and much overused saying, but like, just because you could doesn't mean you should. And I I think there's a lot of honesty and truth in that. Let's repeat. (laughs) just because you could doesn't mean you should it seriously though is I I repeat it to myself on a regular basis (laughs) Um, and I have to remind myself because it's hard to say no to some of the opportunities but Mm -hmm. the more you know for every no gives you the opportunity to say yes to something even better and so I do think there's a level of protecting your time and your energy and your creativity to allow you to do the stuff that you really love that that does come into play in a creative business, I think so often when we do lose tra- sight a little bit of that of that ability to be, it's it's not fresh anymore. What are your thoughts and your advice about burnout when it comes to that? Because we've talked about niching and kind of starting. What about when it feels just like a slog? Yeah, I'm. I think that's where I always I always go back to that creative rhythm and I say like what have you been doing to fill yourself up from a creative point of view um and I always tell people like try it's okay to be a beginner and mm-hmm. you don't have to monetize everything and I think remembering that is really important like I always encourage like go take a music class or a dance class or something entirely different than what you do if you're you know 
constantly, you know, sitting at your computer doing design work, or you're always at, you know, if you're in the studio creating pottery, go try something entirely different that still sparks creativity and let yourself be a beginner, like take the pressure off. Cause I think a lot of the burnout comes from the pressure we put on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think just interrupting that need for perfection and need to, to be good at everything is important. Getting our hands dirty and really kind of flexing that creative muscle and being not great at something is, is a healthy thing. And I think it kind of forces us to open our perspective a little bit more and it, it refreshes us in a different way. And at the end of the day, as the owner of your business, as the creative who drives everything, if what you're doing isn't filling you up anymore, it's okay to reinvent yourself. How many times have some of the most amazing people in the world reinvented themselves? I couldn't That's agree okay. I'd, and yeah, I That's okay. It's not failure. It's great. And I love what you said, interrupting the need prefer- to, per- bleh, maybe if I could say it, interrupting the need prefer- <laughs> interrupting the need, <laughs> the need for perfection. perfection. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> speaking of not being perfect here. But I think when you do that, we get so, we get so, like when I very, for, very first made my first wire chairs that I used to sell, the fir- I wish mm-hmm. I had those very first ones because then once I got into a routine, they were crisp. The corners were perfect. They always had the same shape and I they, they were twisted the same way. And the organicness went away. And I do think mm-hmm. when we call it a business and when we're trying to do that, we do we do get into that onto that hamster wheel. And I have such great admiration for people that say, I'm tired of what I'm doing now. I'm tired of it. I want to go mm-hmm. do this. You know, I Lynn Whipple. Hi, Lynn Whipple. Um, I remember when she at her art show, she, instead of what she people were used to her bringing, landscape showed up and then now it's floral paintings and and people are like but I need my you know I need this I need this collage piece but she was a great example for me at the time of somebody who was like hey but I'm interested in this I'm going to learn how to do this and I'm going to share that with you and it just made I would imagine it made her life richer but I hadn't really thought about that before it's like completely different still creative of course mm-hmm. But I, I just hope maybe some of you out there are listening to this and thinking, oh, permission, a hundred percent. Absolutely. And like, and, and I think, you know, sometimes it is what's the evolution here and what's my next step in the same medium or in the same industry or whatever it is. And sometimes it is just the like, let's blank slate and think about this and start over again. And again, I, I think the other really important piece to just remember too, is that you, you, as a creative, I think once we start down the creative business path, we have the itch to monetize everything because we know we can. And I think avoiding that or or resisting that is actually super important. Keeping some things for yourself that you do because you love, not because you can monetize it. I always think is important because otherwise you just get on the hamster wheel and it can, it it can spin you out of control real quick. That goes back to, listening to your gut and saying yes to what you want to say yes to and saying no. I mean, often I have another friend, um, our Nichols, who has this amazing card line and, and he was asked to do all sorts of things, t-shirts for Michael stars. I remember, and all sorts of different things. And he would say no. And at the time I was, you know, such an entrepreneurial <laughs> creative always. And I'd be like, what, why wouldn't you want to do a t-shirt for Michael Stars? He's like, that doesn't align for me, but I'm going to illustrate this book over here, which does align. And it kept his particular brand on brand for him. And I Mm -hmm. learned a lot from that. I love that. Say yes 
to what feels right, but you don't have to say yes to everything. And that keeps it interesting and alive as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And actually that's one of the things I work a lot with, with my clients on. I think that the vision setting, the vision part of your business, knowing what you want it to be, mm-hmm. um, or at least having a sort of goal, not, I don't use goal in the typical goal word, but having a, having an idea of where you want to go or end up, it doesn't, it's not something that then you're getting stuck with, but it gives you direction. I think a lot yeah. thinking about like, what are, what does align and getting really clear on that. I actually, I work a lot with early entrepreneurs talking to them about what success means to them, because I think we are fed so many things from society, from our family, from just existing in this world about what success is. And I think we don't even realize that a lot of times what we're defining as success actually wouldn't be fulfilling to us. So digging in real deep and figuring out personally what success means and using that to kind of guide a lot of your business decisions um, as a creative who is in business, I think is a really important thing too, because Mm -hmm. you end up in a place where you're a lot happier than, than if you do just kind of let things meander and, and go where you might. I think there's, there is this danger of building a business or a, you know, even ending up in a creative style that you don't particularly care for, or actually that everyone else loves. And you're like, well, I should love it, or it should fulfill me, but it, it doesn't. And I think a lot of that is really, you know, a lot of spending time to figure out like, why am I doing this? What does it really mean to me? What would actually feel like success if I built something that, that I was able to show up in this way or create in this way or drive impact in this way, understanding that from a personal level, not just like what people have told you, I think is a really important thing to help you see what a lot, what opportunities align and you should say yes to versus the other things that are great and big and shiny, but like actually won't get you closer to your goals or your values or your definition of success. They might get you closer to somebody else's or society's, but like, if it doesn't, it won't feel fulfilling to you if it's not actually aligned with what internally truly motivates you at your core. I agree. I mean, business, I mean, we dove right into talking about your creative business and you might be thinking, oh my gosh, should I be doing something different? It might just mean, how do I set the right prices for these three paintings I want to sell? That's it. You know, I want to sell three mm-hmm. paintings this year and, and, and which, you know, business, your creative practice is what it is. So you get to choose what that is. It could be more of a larger business or it could just be a passion, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, and I think too, that going back to that, the, what we were talking about, about the goal setting and all that, when, when we're looking at our business, like we're in a new year now and, and, and the whole, we can't help but be inundated by by all the, what are your goals for the year? What are your words? What do you want to do? But that is also a good chance to look over your past year of being creative. Was it a business? How did it go? And, and am I still wanting to do the same things? So there are those sort of natural time shifts that come along where you, you should and can and should revisit those things. I think fortunately. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think, um, I, I mean, I personally love the, the new year, a new season. I I live in the Northeast, so we have all four seasons and I, I love that. I always take them as, you know, kind of each new and from a business point of view, from the 
from the geeky business side of things, it also aligns with like the new quarter in business. So for me, they're all, they always feel like natural times to like stop and reflect and think about what do I want to do over the next in the next season or in the next 90 days or in the next year. And um, one of the other things that honestly, I spend a lot of time and I've spent a lot of time um, as this year has changed, has changed over to 2023 thinking about is where am I following maybe somebody else's like the coulds or the shoulds or the woods that that aren't necessarily mine, but I've adopted as mine without even realizing it. Love and that. I think that's something that I've been really thinking critically about and asking myself every time I hear myself think, oh, I should do this, or I could do this, or I, I'm supposed to do that. Um, you know, really digging in and kind of thinking about that critically too, because I think so often that's where we we start to meander off the path that we really would like to be on is because we start to think, well, I mean, so let's use social media as an example, because that's one I feel like all of us these days can relate to. It's like, well, yeah. you should be on this platform or that platform. You should be doing reels. You should be posting however many times a day. That drains me. Like personally, yeah. from my, like I, it, I, if I put too many shoulds onto my social media presence, like I, I won't like, it just, it just drains me. I love the community aspect of social media and I use it. I'm there, but I have found that when I've put that pressure in the past, it 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 has been counterintuitive. Like mm-hmm. it, it's not been good. It's drained me. And actually, the more I let go of those coulds and shoulds and woulds and kind of think critically about them and and start following really what I actually want to do, what's like an authentic should or could, like something that truly aligns with what I want and and what fills me up, then I find actually, you know. The, the results are better in the end and you start yeah. to see like, oh, you know what? You don't need to be everywhere. Again, just to use the social media example. Like you don't need to be everywhere. You don't need to be posting all the time. Like you'll, the, your people will find you. You'll find the right people as long as you're, you're showing you're up being and you're authentic, doing the, the right things. Yeah. 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 It's, a, it's definitely an interesting at, at each, at each kind of natural break. It's interesting to kind of look back and think about that. And, and that's really, I lean into the vision setting and stuff then too, because I do think like coming back your vision changes, like what you want, your your goals, your circumstances, the world we live in, like we don't live in a vacuum, things are meant to change and grow. And so just continually checking in and making sure that you're working towards something that feels good to you, and that you haven't outgrown or hasn't shifted, I think is really important. I've got to say, though, that out of all the people I've interviewed, I don't think anyone has sent me their TikTok channel before you have. (laughs) I was like, look at her go. (laughs) There's so many. There's so, okay, so we'll put this in the show notes, but Erin has this wicked rich TikTok. Do you call it a channel? I don't even know. uh, Yeah, a page. I don't know. Something with all these great (laughs) business tips, just all these great business tips. And you, I love that when you started that, you did it kind of as a challenge and you didn't even have yeah. anything set up. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of uh, a friend of mine, I believe, you know, her as well. Hillary was running a TikTok challenge and it was one of those things that this kept coming into my life. I kept hearing about this platform and in my head it was dancing teenagers. Yeah. Um, I was not interested at all. Um, I actually like, but it just, it just kept crossing my path. I was at a conference for, um, for creative business owners. And like they had the creative director of TikTok give a talk and I sat in on that. I was like, okay, it piqued my interest. And then like, again, things just kept coming up. And Hillary said to me, I'm running this challenge for 30 days. You should totally, you should join. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need to be on it. And then I kind of sat with it. I was like, all right, you know what? I'll give it a try. And it was so fun. Honestly, I actually, I, 
I always said, I don't like short form video. I am not a video person. I do not want video. And then I was like, actually, I think, I think it was the platforms I was on. I actually enjoy this. Huh. It's a lot more casual and quick and I can connect with people. So yeah, it was, a, it was, she challenged me to do seven videos a day, Wow, which is a lot for 30 days. I could take the weekends off, which I did. But literally the first day of the challenge, I was like, I guess this means I should download the app, huh? And she was like, oh yeah, that's kind of important. And I was like, I've never been on here. I don't have a name. I don't know. I don't have a profile, but it was so fun. And honestly, like it, it, I will say TikTok is wild. Like in those 30 days, um, I went from literally zero creating my account up to about, I think it was 4,500 followers. That's incredible. Um, with some of the best connections and conversations from creatives out there. Um, and How yeah, did you decide really what, to, what to talk about? A lot of it was organic. It was what people were asking me um, oh. in the comments and stuff. So like I had the things, I started with the things that I just wanted to talk about. What was your first things one? Things that were just on my... Um, I think the first one was like, hey, I don't know how to use TikTok, but here I am. And and this is my first video just to get something up there. Yeah. The first day I posted, I and I think I shared this with you earlier, um, but the first day I posted just a quick story about when we were when when I was deciding to go to art school, actually. And um I was, I, t I shared a story. I said, I shared that I was in biology class. I can picture it clear as day um, in high school. And I had just gotten my acceptance letter to RISD and I was so excited. And the conversation turned to where everybody was going to school. And I shared with the group of kids I was sitting there with at the time um, that I was going to be going to RISD. And there was this guy who sat next to me in biology and he was going to school for criminal justice and uh, he had his whole life mapped out in a very practical way. And he looked at me and said, why would you go to art school? You're going to end up living on the street. And I, but don't worry, I'll throw a dollar in your box every time I walk past. Oh my and gosh. it just like, and it's one of those core memories. And I think yeah. like, as I just started chatting with people on TikTok, it kind of spurred it for me and I shared I it and the, the reactions I got. Wow. <laughs> people, people had feelings and thoughts, but you know, like <laughs> at the end of the day, I think that starving artist stereotype that we're all fed is, is awful. And, you know, it's one of the things that I work very hard to debunk yeah. because I think it doesn't need to exist. And I don't think people should believe it, but it, I, you know, as a high schooler, that stuck with me and it, it continues to, and I, I, that was one of my first videos and that really kind of took off and that started a lot of conversations. Bad. Um, and then those conversations really just spurred other things, other questions, people saying, I ended up getting lots of questions, um, as I shared then a little bit more about my background and the fact that I kind of hold, C I've held COO roles and, and director of operations roles and things like that and helped other creatives grow successful businesses. I ended up getting lots of questions around pricing, mm. how to price, how to market, how to find your people, how to figure out actually if your creative business is viable, all of that fun stuff. And, and really just those that's that's where it all grew out of having those conversations. I was like, oh, that's a great. Let me just, you know, like you get a question, you're like, let me just shoot a quick two minute video and pop it up there. And it was a lot of it's a lot of fun. I've been I've been paused a little bit on it a little bit more because I'm actually working. Well, you're on doing a, a few right other now. things. Yes, <laughs> I've been heads down the past little bit, but it is on my list as soon as I have like more bandwidth to to pop back in there because I really do. I I really enjoy it. And it's a very active, very well, active community that asks. It's one of those examples where that beget, I mean, the information and the conversations you had there when you were doing that challenge and beyond, mm -hmm. obviously, then made you think, well, what 
I could help people in another way. What would that look like? Would there be a course? Like we haven't even touched on that and we're, we're way in. <laughs> um, you have some super exciting things coming up for several, talk about saying yes. Can you, can you shine some yeah. light on, on what's happening this year for you right away? Yes. <laughs> I, I am doubling nervous. down. <laughs> Because <laughs> like in the next three to four months, it's it is a marathon for me right now. Um, it's all stuff I'm just so excited to get out of the world. But it's the it's it's the culmination of everything I've been working at for the past you know months, years, honestly. Yeah. Um, all really really fun, exciting stuff though. And it's you know it's when you you plant all these seeds and they all come to bloom and it's just amazing. So yeah, that's where I'm at. I I am going to be teaching the first business course that uh, RISD is offering, um, as part of their new amazing. Pilot Alumni Labs program. You guys, it's it's an art school. When did it start, RISD? A 18, 1883 or something like that. It's Aaron. It's a long time. I'll have to Google Aaron it. Aaron Cantwell is, is teaching the first business class at RISD. I just want to take a moment. That is so fantastic and so telling, and just must feel both like overwhelming, exciting. And like, yes to you. I mean, I just had to yeah. stop you for a second because I think that is huge. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's so fun. They they approached me last June. I had given a workshop there um, last January. I've given a couple workshops. Um, and last June, they approached me and said, hey, we're, we're thinking, we're dreaming up this um, alumni labs sort of course framework. And we keep hearing that we need business classes. We keep hearing that this this is a big gap. And I'm like, heck yes, I've been saying it for years. Let's go. <laughs> and they were they said, would you you know would you consider coming developing a course and coming on? It would be their first course. Um, so yeah, so I start teaching that in like two weeks, which it has been. Like I said, I've been working on it for seven months now. I'm super excited. Um, it's actually, it's all around creating a business plan for your creative business in a way mm. that works for you as a creative, mm. um, that works for how you want to be using it. You know, there's a very big difference. I think a business plan doesn't need to be a stuffy MBA document. It can, it can take many forms and it's really just about getting super clear on the things that need to happen in your business and how they need to fit together and add up to make sure that they're supporting you and building something um, that works. And so I'm teaching a course on that. And then right after that, the next semester I'm rolling into, they had, they, as I was developing that, they said, Hey, how about another one? So we're doing another one um, right after that, all about understanding your business's place in the market. So we're, we're kind of looking at business from a, the creative business from a couple different standpoints, which is really fun. Um, and I'm really excited about, and then, um, and then I'm also teaching some workshops there. So I have another workshop coming up, um, in February, all about setting your vision around your business. Um, and then another one all about social media and how to, how to use social media and not let it run you for your business in April. Um, which I'm really excited about as well. And then on top of that, before all of, before RISD came knocking, I had started developing my own course, um, which will be available online. Um, and that is actually, it was born out of a workshop that I did at RISD that kind of kicked all of this off. And that's going to be called Business Building for Creatives. And that's launching in the next month or two. It'll be Feb February or March depending on how, how depending on how I'm feeling um yeah. and that's this for year. anyone so that that's anybody for anyone. can access that yep absolutely that is for anyone 
Um, if anybody does want to hop on the wait list so I can let you know when I do launch it, you can you can do so. You can just go over to my website, erincantwell.co slash waitlist, and you just pop on your email and I'll let you know as details come out about that. But that's entirely online um, and self-paced, and I give you everything you need to know and to put into place and to understand and consider to build your creative business on a strong foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really kind of demystifies that business side of the creative stuff. And I do it in bite-sized videos that really kind of, you know, that speak the creative language versus the the business, the stuffy business language. Ugh. So yeah. And then actually the two workshops that I'm doing at RISD are available to the public too. Oh, awesome. Um, I think it's like I think it's $25. If you're a member of the public, it's free if you are an alumni and you can find them on the RISD website or I can give you the link too if you want. But those those two workshops are are open to the public. The courses are not. The courses you need to be an alumni or a current student at RISD for the ones that I'm teaching there. But yes, would love yeah, the it's link a lot of really good stuff. Too. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. We can put yeah. it in the show notes. We'll put it on there for sure. Um, for I sure. love that. And you have some great resources already just waiting on your website as well that are available mm-hmm. now. Yeah, I my website, I have a blog that is like a labor of love. I have been blogging weekly for uh, two years maybe now. <laughs> And it was, it took me a while to get a swing of things. I am um, not a natural writer. And actually I've brought in, I have a team member that helps me to make sure that I get that done every week. Um, but I, a lot of the stuff actually that, as we talked about, the that uh, people I've connected with on TikTok or people I've just connected with in in the online space or in networking communities um, through RISD, through my network in New York. And now I live outside of Philadelphia through that. The, the questions I get, I take and I, you know, spin into blog posts and resources and stuff there. So you can, you can pop over there. That's all free and and there for everybody to support everybody, you know, at, at any time. This is my so goal. My goal with that blog is just to create a resource library for creatives who want to succeed in business, um, you know, and need the roadmap and how to do it. Because like I said, I think there's a giant gap there and it is my goal to bridge that gap. And that's what I'm working at every day. It literally says all the business stuff they didn't teach you in art school. I love that so much. ErinCantwell.co <laughs> backslash blog. Yes. Mm-hmm. Go, go read yep. up. Oh my gosh, Aaron. Well, I I think we could talk about this for days and days. And I, I'm, I love your enthusiasm and your, ever since I met you, it's just like, oh my gosh, who is this woman? What's she, what's she doing? Because I just feel like you're sort of a secret weapon, which I hope not very secret for very long, but I love that more people can learn from you and help themselves so much by what you put out into the world. And I'm just super grateful for that. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, it's been, it's fun. Like I said, as a creative, finding something that lights you up is so important. And this truly is what lights me up. This is what I love doing because I honestly believe the world is such a better place when creatives can make a living doing the work they love and put their passions and talents out into the world. Like how much more beautiful is the world when creatives can be productive and and share, um, you know, and I, I, anything I can do to make that to make that more prevalent or make that more reachable for creatives. Like that's what I'm here. That's, that's what I love to do. Cause I uh, just really think it has that ripple effect and you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful, you know, whether it be the painting that makes somebody smile or the wire chair, somebody, you know, has in their studio or um, the web design that some that yeah. makes something accessible to somebody. It, it truly that the creatives we have, we have a, we're uniquely positioned to really, change the way people view the world and interact in it. And I think the more we can harness that, the better. Oh my gosh. That's a fantastic thought to, 
to stay on for a while. I appreciate that. Oh, it's good. Tell me who's inspiring you right now. Cause of course I always need to know. Oh, I have a, I have a range. <laughs> a I, range. Always, I, I have a range. I think I was telling you we're, we're recording this. It's right after uh, the holidays. I have a husband who is essentially Clark Griswold and he has no less than 10 trees in our house that he decorates with themes. And I think that level of passion is always inspiring. It's silly it. and it's adorable and it makes the season magical for myself and our two kids. We have a four-year-old and a six-year-old and it really like, it just brings it alive. So I have to say him just because I have a Christmas tree sitting right behind me, fully decorated <laughs> right now. Um, how long do your trees stay up and when, oh, wait, when do they go up and how long do they stay up? Cause it is January. They go up the day after Thanksgiving and they typically come down right around like January 12th, 15th ish, mid January. It's so great. And I love checking in with Aaron around the holidays because I've known this for a while and I just having being such a, having helped get thousands of Christmas ornaments out into the world. <laughs> um, it's so cool to see his enthusiasm for it. I just love it. Mm-hmm. It's very yeah, awesome. I think the first I think I think the first year that I knew you, I was sending you pictures like, hey, did you do this one? Did you do this one? Because we have quite a few Hallmark uh, ornaments. Um, but yes, no, it's I, every year I send you all the pictures of the trees and it's it's just fun. It's fun to see something again that it's it just brings joy and it just lights up and brings people's passion passions. Home, so yeah so that um there is a podcaster new author Tara McMullen that has really been challenging my thinking or opening me up to viewing truths or things that I've considered as strategies and things like that from a bunch of different viewpoints lately she just came out with a new book um that I am currently reading it's called what works and she has a podcast that's also called what works it's all mm. about um navigating the business world um and keeping your huma- humanity intact in the 21st century which I think is a amazing kind of viewpoint she's a lot more um she approaches it from a very academic point of view which is different than a lot of the other stuff that I kind of consume and spend time with so I mm-hmm. think it's just a fun different perspective so I've really been inspired by her lately and then you know uh, right behind me here I, I think I just I'm, I'm answering as I'm looking at my as I'm looking at the zoom screen um one of my my clients my clients inspire Gorgeous. me all of the time this uh this watercolor behind me um that you can see Margot is by one of my clients Yao Chang and she's just amazing she's a watercolor artist and she Gorgeous. I spend my summers at the beach and then I spend anything that's not the summer at home in PA and we were on a call as I was wrapping up my summer at the beach and I was telling her I was like oh I just need to be by the water and she said I did an entire series based on waves can I send you one and so she was so sweet beautiful um and so yeah so I love her work and the watercolors and uh, this is something that just makes me smile every day walking into my office so that's that's another one That's so good. And as we always do, all these resources are in the show notes on the Tanto Studio website under the podcast tab. So you can go check these delicious things out for yourself and hear, hear Mm -hmm. new thoughts and see new images and think about what you're, how many Christmas trees you're going to have next year. Yep. (laughs) See if you can be my husband. (laughs) He'll take it as a personal challenge. I did send you a couple more ideas this year. Maybe there'll be more next year. (laughs) You did. You sent them. He decorates early. So you sent them a little later in the season. And I was like, Ooh, I'm tempted to share, but I might have like tree 11 and 12 pop up. So Oh man. Well, thank you so, so much for sharing your passion here. I just, I love talking about it too. As you can tell, I think 
a creative mind and the willingness to think outside the box is what makes the world a lot more interesting, what changes things, what creates new ways of thinking. And thanks for leaning in so strongly to to that. And I was going to say one other thing. I think a lot of times, I know we kind of were wrapping up, but I'm going to bring up this one more question. <laughs> Sometimes business seems really scary. So if it's going to your site and looking at resources or whatever, but I know even for myself, there's the details that it's not that it's scary. It's just like, I don't like that stuff. I don't want to deal with the little, the little minutia. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, if there are ways to make that seem less or more creative, more part of it, you're the right person to look to for that because you you come to it from, you went to art school, you know, and you're a business yeah. creative. So it's it's really nice to know about the people and the resources we can check out, link with that speak our same language. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a big, I think making things approachable is one of the big goals that I have because I agree. And honestly, that's where I started too. I was like, where do I find out about this stuff or how, you know, my, my husband is an MBA and I, I say that I love him to death, but like the man and his spreadsheets and his pivot tables and that I don't even know what that is. <laughs> um, all of that stuff. I, I laugh as you said that because I'm, I actually have a blog coming out in a couple of weeks that talks about like spreadsheets as a tool for creatives and how like most people are like, Oh my God, oh my a spreadsheet. God. <laughs> but like, like really at the end of the day, yeah, like okay, I was like, no, no one wants to hear, no one wants to hear this, no one wants to do it. But you know what? Like I, it, it was inspired because I talked to a client, and she was, and one of the things that I had talked to her about with some of her challenges was like, hey, listen, I know you're, I know this is not what you want to hear, but if we can just track some of this stuff in a simple spreadsheet, it's going to be really impactful for you. And the next coaching session, she was like, Aaron, I've been living in my spreadsheets. I need to show you them. And I was like, mm, really? Wow. And she was like, no, let me tell you, I didn't want to do it. I rolled my eyes. She's been in business for 20 years. She did not use a spreadsheet before. Wow. And she opened it up and she had, we were working on marketing stuff for her and having her understand. And she was talking about, she had done watercolors of these three people that she pictures as her ideal clients. She had them embedded in the spreadsheet. She had then with some of the action items she was taking to connect with these people. And then the actual things that I had asked her to track were in there. And I mean, there wasn't Helvetica in sight because she was like, no Helvetica. She had fully taken these and made them her own. And I was like, I need to write a blog about this because again, it's something people are like, oh my God, a spreadsheet. But if you can shift your mindset and see it as a tool and not something to be scared of, but something to help you and then really make it your own and just embrace it and, and find ways to make it work for you. Mm-hmm. it's it's a game changer so yeah I mean I I am here for all of the demystifying making it more approachable and really just adapting and seeing things as like I said as what they are if they're meant to be a tool it's not meant to be scary it's meant to help you so let's figure out how to make that work for you um we might yeah, need to start I mean, the Aaron sessions <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it you let me know See, this is one of those again where I can't, I'm not going to say no. I'm always like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that so much because, you know, and again, that goes right around, right back to think about it. When we think of spreadsheet, I I immediately go to what that looks like in my mind. And, and with Mm -hmm. your working with this client of yours, she took it somewhere else. And, and that just opened up even right now for me, like, wait a minute, I don't have to think about it the same way as I always have because Mm -hmm. somebody designed that I can do it my own way. So good. 
Absolutely. And it's hers is a beautiful work of art. I opened it. I said, I think the words that came out of my mouth is like, well, this is not your accountant's spreadsheet. <laughs> so I think that's what we we use as like our tagline now every time we kind of open it up. But it is, yeah, I mean, I think I think it, it's a mindset shift like anything else is for all of the business stuff, for the tools, for everything that seems intimidating. It's not you. It's that you haven't been given the resources and you haven't been exposed to or taught or shown how you can go ahead and adapt that or given permission, honestly, to adapt things, to make them your own, to make them work for you. And if I can do that, that's, that's what I'm here for. Oh my gosh. I'm writing that down. Thank you, dear one for being here. This is so I'm, I'm very inspired, empowered, fired up. Uh This one is, is a listen twice, I think. So thank you, my dear. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am just, I'm just thrilled to be here and thrilled to chat with you. I always love chatting with you, Margo, but thank you so much for having me as a guest here. So we can share our conversation with, with everyone else. We can. And I am so excited for these next few months for you and for the people that you will touch. Oh, thank you. We'll check I'm, back in. I am. Yes. I'm so excited. I am brewing the coffee now. I know it's, it's going to be a juggle, but it's going to, it's so worth it. And so fun. Like I said, this is the stuff that fills me up. So I might look like a deer in headlights every now and then, but I, this is why I'm, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm doing it. And I just, I love it. I'm so excited. So thank you so much for that. Oh my gosh. Kudos. Thank you. Before you go, I just want to say a quick thanks for tuning in. I hope you found something useful to take away and something to make you think. For those of you listening in on Spotify, and I know there are many, you now have the cool option to show your love for Windows Cell Chats quickly and easily. From the show page in the Spotify app, you can simply tap to rate it one to five stars. And of course, I'll really appreciate it too if you leave a review wherever you might be listening. See you next week, lovelies, and I hope it's a creative one. <laughs>